you feel so grounded and that is the best feeling to get at the end of the day when you want to be home and you want to like turn in for the night is that grounded energy versus in the morning and at lunchtime, like you want the energy that's going to make you move forward and grow towards the light and burst open. So then I think, okay, what foods are growing towards the light, right? So the soups and stews often have vegetables that are growing into the ground and that's making us grounded. But when I want that uplifting energy, that's going to bring me up like the sun, then I oranges. Yes. Anything growing above ground. So lettuces, sprouts, anything hanging from a tree. Hello, hello, high vibing it homies. Welcome back to another epic episode of High Vibing It. Today we have a very special guest, Miss Chef Whitney Aronoff. Did I say it right? Aronoff. Aronoff. You know, close enough. Put a D in there on accident, <laughs> but it's fine. You'll see how it's spelled in the in the show notes. She is the creator of Starseed Kitchen and host of Get This High Vibration Living. <laughs> Which Which I think is awesome. Obviously, we're all about those high vibes. So is she. Specifically, in the context of food, that is her specialty. Obviously, she's a chef. So we're really excited to talk to her today about what we're putting in our bodies, how we're preparing what we're putting in our bodies, the vibration of food, why it matters, how to elevate it, and all that jazz. So Whitney, thank you for being here. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. It's going to be so fun already. We already have had, if you're not on the Patreon, by the way, get on the Patreon because we already had such a, we we tried not to give too much before we even introduced her, but she just has so much knowledge and so much wisdom about just sanitary stuff, high vibe and stuff, food stuff. So we're going to dive into it all. But first, I want to know how you got into this area. Not everybody. I mean, some kids grew up and know they want to be chefs. Some people kind of just evolve into it. What was that like for you? I definitely evolved into it. So I've always loved healthy food. You know, as we were chatting before, like I've never liked chips. I've never liked fried food. I'd much rather have a salad or a piece of fruit or some good protein. I've just always liked healthy food. And the older I got, the more I wanted to learn. And when I was growing up, most of our information came from magazines or like what you would see on TV. Like there was no one really teaching you about healthy food and how to really feel your body as a athlete in high school. You know, they would just constantly pump pasta to us and just be like, Oh, you have to eat the pasta. If you're going to you know, perform well the next day in the soccer game or the volleyball match, but there was no education behind why were we consuming these foods. And as I think any woman in your twenties and your lifestyle's changing, your stress is changing, your weight starts to fluctuate. And I was really frustrated. I didn't understand why. And so I dove into learning more about the food I was eating to figure out how to create some balance and consistency in my life. And the more I got into it, just the more I loved it. And once I moved to Los Angeles for work, I just loved learning about health, wellness, 
all that stuff. And I just thought like, this is what I want to be doing every day. How do I live in this space instead of the corporate office space that I'm going to every day? And so, you know, years went by just trying to figure out what my niche would be and how I would break into that industry. And I just decided, you know what, let me just go to a health supportive culinary school. Let me go somewhere that can teach me how to cook vegetables in more creative, delicious ways, where I would have just as many classes with a nutritionist in the classroom as I would in the kitchen learning from health supportive chefs that would teach me the traditional ways of preparing food. So then I could nourish myself properly and find some balance within my body and my soul and my mind and all the things. And then when I got out, I just thought everyone deserves to know what I learned. Like everyone deserves this information. This, this this is basic life skills. We all should be able to go to the grocery store and confidently be able to buy eggs, not walk away confused. Did I make the right decision? And so that's what started me off you know, working as a personal chef and sharing what I learn, you know, on Starseed Kitchen and through social media, because, you know, this, this information shouldn't be gatekeeped. This mm. is information for all. Yeah. Ooh, okay. I have so many questions. <laughs> I have so many questions. I love this story. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up in um, two, two places. So I was born in San Diego and we lived on an avocado farm until I was seven. And then we moved to Laguna Beach, California, which is my mom's hometown. Um, and so I kind of grew up between the two places. So California, California girl. girl. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, through and through. Why are we the same? We are the same. Uh, we definitely are the same. Also, I wanted to ask, because I know for me going through, you know, as I was, you know, I had my first kid and I was like, I want to do something that I can hang out with him. Like, I don't want to just go back to nine to five, whatever. What do I like to do? And I think that's a very important question to ask when you're trying to figure out what do I care about? What am I passionate about? What could I do for free if I wanted? And so going through hypnotherapy training, for me, the first bombshell that kind of rewrote my reality and was like, why isn't this in every book, in every middle school? And that was suggestible, like how each individual person takes in information is not one size fits all. And the, the way that you're wired is okay. There is just, it's just different. Knowing and understanding why people are the way they are on a, on a basic level, like why they, how they take in information, how they perceive what you're saying and just letting it be okay. For me was like, oh my gosh, how many relationships could I have not gotten into if I just knew this information? So for you was what was one of the things that you learned in, I guess, culinary school, conscious culinary school, can we call it that conscious culinary school, where you were just like, oh my gosh, this, this is the information I needed. It was, is there something in particular you can think of? So many. So <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I mean, there was just, there was just like five that popped up that, that I was like, I have to share. But when I started culinary school, I moved to New York city in the middle of winter. It was a snowstorm the day I was moving in. And at that time in my life, I looked gorgeous. I was skinny. I was pretty. My complexion was perfect. I had high energy. Like I felt like I was the healthiest I'd ever been, but I'm a California girl through and through. And I had moved there, moved to New York from Washington, DC, where I'd been living for five and a half years. So I was used to a winter full of snow, but I'm moving into my apartment and I'm freezing cold. And then I go and make a salad. And then I think the next day I woke up and I made a smoothie and I couldn't figure out why, why am I freezing cold? You know, it's snowing outside and I'm eating cold food. 
being from California, it didn't even dawn on me that in the winter you have to eat warm foods. Mm -hmm. You, it's not just about your tea and coffee that all your meals need to be warm to warm you up, but also to keep your digestive fire going. So a lot of us have digestive issues because we're constantly putting out the fire, the cold food and beverages don't support a healthy digestive system. So that's why you find when you go to all across Asia, they don't do cold. They don't do ice. Europe didn't even do ice up until recently because they know it kills the digestive fire. Can I ask, that's fantastic. That is absolutely fantastic. And yes, I think we're going to talk about you mentioned eating for the seasons. I think we have definitely need to spend some time there, but what happens when it is snowing blizzardy and you're cold physically and you eat a smoothie? Like how, when you say puts out the fire, like what is that exactly is happening to that process? So you can physically feel, obviously when you eat cold foods, it makes you cold. Like it, it cools your internal temperature, which serves a great purpose during certain times of year when we need to cool off. In the winter, we need to warm ourselves internally. So that's why, you know, there's a lot of women that at winter time, it's like they can never warm up. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. That can also be related to thyroid issues, but some women, like you just can never get warm. You're so ice cold. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that you're eating cold food or room temperature food. You have to eat warm, hot food to warm up. Yeah. But then the, the stomach digestive system, literally the temperature of the food can ignite or put out the fire, your ability to digest. Ooh. So were you having like, is it just, does it just take longer to digest or do you have like, do you just develop stomach issues because it's just not happening the way that it's supposed to? That's a good question. Question. I'm not an internist or a colon hydrotherapist. Right. Yeah. I I'm. Know. Yeah. I don't know. You mean you're I, not all the things? <laughs> I could be. I could be. Um, If I think back when I used to eat a lot of cold foods, yes, I had more digestive issues, but as a hypnotherapist, you know, I think a lot of digestive issues have to do with emotions. Yeah. 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 And trapped emotions in the body. To be clear, I'm asking this purely as somebody who refuses iced coffee, does not like smoothies. Like I just warm food all day, but it's just because I, that's just how I am. You know, I just don't like, I don't really like a lot of cold food salad sometimes, but (laughs) it's hard for me. I'm constantly having to retrain myself to like warm foods Mm -hmm. because I've been raised on cold foods. Yeah. I'm so comfortable eating a salad for lunch and I have to get more comfortable. I have to force myself to order the soup. I have to force myself sometimes to choose different things because I know my body needs to warm up in the winter time. Yeah. Hearty yeah. soups all day. <laughs> That's a good reminder because I've been working with this nutritionist, shout out Kyung, and she is helping me heal some cervical issues. And she was like, girl, you got to get off these acai bowls, these smoothies, like you got to keep your body warm. You need to keep socks on all the time. You need to wear your sweater around the house. You need to eat warm foods. And I was like, okay, okay. Cause she's like a Chinese medicine background. So something about the chi and keeping warm and how the body works. Um, so that is a good reminder. Cause I kind of, forgot about that, but naturally yeah, I have been eating more warm on her team. So with this in mind, it's not the, 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 the action to take is not eliminate smoothies from your life forever. If you love smoothies, have them occasionally, they're a treat. 
they're a dessert. So you're treating yourself only when you really need that acai bowl. Like, you know, you're treating yourself to your iced coffee when you really need it and are craving it, but it's just not a day-to-day activity. Not mm-hmm. every day at four, like how I used to do with my smoothie bowls. <laughs> oh, no way. Is that a well, schedule? I was like a two lunch person. So I'd be like, okay, let me eat my lunch at like noon or one. And then, okay, I'm hungry again. Got to eat something else, but not like more than a snack, like basically a second meal or like a pre-dinner. So it would usually be like a smoothie bowl because that's like the lazy person's way, right? Throw it all in a blender. But I guess you can also make soup the lazy way, right? Throw it all in a blender, throw it on the stove. Just one extra step. But this is a, a really great, I mean, that was a great signal that what you were eating for lunch wasn't nourishing you because it wasn't holding you all day. It doesn't mean you can't have a snack in the afternoon, but needing a whole nother meal is a signal that what you're doing at lunchtime isn't working. Yes, that is such a good point to bring up because I used to be always always hungry and people just told me that I had a fast metabolism that's why you're always hungry no I was basically malnourished because I didn't eat good enough food so I was always hungry because my body always needed more it was like deficient all the time like feed me more I need more nutrition so yeah, yeah that's yeah, a good it happens point a lot. it happens a lot when we're eating because we think we need to be following a diet or we need to be eating low fat food or low sugar food or following all these different rules or structures out there that aren't traditional. So when you, when you eat a balanced plate of food, so when you eat plenty of protein, fat, starch, vegetables, when it's balanced, you are nourished and you're satisfied and it can hold you for long periods of time. When the meal is unbalanced, like when people, you know, try to just eat a bunch of protein or just eat a bunch of vegetables Yes, you're going to be hungry before you know it. And that's when deep cravings set in that you just can't shake. Mm, the starts and, and the whole cycle. So, you know, you, you, you never beat yourself up if you have a breakfast or lunch or dinner that doesn't satisfy you or doesn't make you feel good afterwards. You just learn it, use it as a learning opportunity to be like, all right, something was off with that meal. I don't feel good or I'm still hungry or whatever it is. And so you know that to edit it the next time you prepare it. And if it's still not working each time you edit it, then you just got to let it go and find another substitute. Mm, I like that approach. The self-loving way. Just make edits as you go along. We don't need the self-judgment on top of the editing. (laughs) Yeah. The editing does its job. The judgment takes you back a step. Let's not not do that. Um, So when I moved in with my father, I was about 11 years old. And I learned very early from him, which was so different from what my mother taught me. But my dad taught me every meal should be a meat, a vegetable and a starch. Now, again, this was like in the 90s. So I know the food pyramid has changed quite a bit. Um, Where do you stand on like, the daily nutritional value of a meal? Like what should be included? For most people, of course, not everybody. So it's so interesting. If you look around the world, every country has its own nutritional pyramid and it's yeah. completely yeah. different. Yeah. It, we, we had a class in culinary school one day where they showed every pyramid around the world and it was a joke, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, everyone was completely different. Throw it out the window. It does not apply to anybody. Um, but I think he just made up his own pyramid, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, everyone has to figure out what works for them. I find that, yes, if you go with the idea of protein start vegetable, it gets you started. 
-hmm. then depending on what you're preparing, there's other little things that you may be able to add in, like, you know, a little fermented vegetable or a little, a little extra drizzle of olive oil or avocado healthy fat. Like you kind of start adding to the plate, but using those three is always a great approach. And then you have to figure out the portion size that works for you. Cause sometimes all you need with the starch is just like three bites versus other days. What you need is a little bit more and you just need three bites of the veggies. Like, especially for women, we're on a 28 day cycle. So like what we need every day is completely different versus a man, which can be more consistent with the food that they're choosing. We have to be, we have to be a little bit more fluid because we always have something fluid within us. Why mm. fermented vegetable? Does that, I mean, fruit, does that, yeah. does wine count? <laughs> joke, Very joke, 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 joke. I liked it. Um, fermented vegetable, simply once a day, um, just a bite or two. It's a great- Wait, is it a fermented fruit or a fermented vegetable? Fermented vegetable, usually. What? Okay, I'm so it's confused. Like a, it's like um, sauerkraut or kimchi or- Oh, Anything yes. like that. And then that's simply adding a live, um, a live probiotic to your meal. So you'll, you'll digest that meal better. You don't have to take your probiotic supplements on the days that you have those fermented vegetables, but it's also creating a balance to your palate. So you'll find you're more satisfied with your meal. So that, that is a lot of what's called macrobiotics. Have you guys heard of macrobiotics? No. So macrobiotics is from Japan. And it's the concept of how you put your plate together. So do you guys know Erewhon in Los Angeles? Yes. Okay. So Erewhon was founded by the modern founder of macrobiotics. He's passed away. He no longer owns Erewhon. But when he first came to the United States, he and his wife brought the concept of macrobiotics here and were helping to teach kind of their the next wave of health practitioners. And oddly enough, the woman who founded my culinary school, Dr. Anne-Marie Colbin, was one of their students. And macrobiotics is the concept of creating a balanced plate, a balanced meal, huh. with a bit of protein, a little bit of starch, a little bit of vegetable, you know, a little bit of that fermented vegetable, creating the healthy fat, everything on the plate. So when you eat the meal, you are balanced after you mm-hmm. eat, you are satisfied. And that's, that's very much the concept. It's not vegan or vegetarian. It's, it's about balance. Hey, Lindsay here. Have you seen what's new inside my Align Your Mind membership? Members already get instant access to my best hypnotherapy audios, mindset hacks, manifesting methods, and more on demand right at their fingertips. But now when you join AYM, you'll also get a major VIP level upgrade with my brand new goal-focused hypnotherapy toolkits. These toolkits inside AYM are carefully curated hypnotherapy bundles designed with your specific goals in mind. Whether you desire to call in more money consistently, get out of the mindset rut that you're in, renew your passion and confidence, manifest with more ease and power, cultivate more self-love and inner knowing, or finally release the burdens from your past and heal, once your subconscious mind is on board with your goal, it's a done deal, and that's what my toolkits are designed to do for you. So if you're ready to rewire your mind, release what's holding you back, and manifest your desires with ease, the AYM membership is where it's at. Just hit the link in the episode description and start embodying your highest potential. I like that. I've, I'm always the most satisfied when I eat a meal like that. And I always thought it was just because that's what I was taught. You know what I mean? But I definitely believe that there's, there's more to it. You know, food is energy. And I think that is something we need to talk about. So 
elevating the vibration of your food, where can we start doing that? If you're just completely, I don't think any in our audience are completely clueless to how to do this, but what would you want people to know first? Well, we know everything is energy. So if we're eating, we're eating for energy, which I think is something that has just been lost on, on a lot of us is that we choose to eat because we're hungry, which means our body's saying we need some more fuel here. The tank is low. So we got to look for the quality fuel. So just like depending on the type of car you buy, you have to change the quality of the fuel you put in your tank. And so I find the more conscious people are, so the more they open up their third eye and they grow their spirituality, the more they have to tighten up and improve the quality of fuel that they put in their body. But vice versa, if you want to get in touch with your intuition faster, if you want to open up your third eye faster, if you want to have more natural, spiritual gifts, psychic abilities, all those things, you have to improve your diet in order to be able to do so. Because the more processed food makes you not just physically sluggish, but mentally sluggish and spiritually sluggish. So I think food is really the foundation. And if you can figure out and start to choose quality foods for yourself, I feel like everything else in your life will take off, whether it's something you're doing you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, business-wise, but we have to lay the foundation with starting to eat real food and figuring out what's processed in our life and letting that go. Yeah. yeah. Real. Or at least moderating it, I think. Let's give a well, little- I find, I find the more you edit your food and start eating real traditional high quality, mm -hmm. the cravings will go away. That's true too, yeah. Yep. I, my, uh, a friend of mine loved all the sugar and cream in her coffee and she forced herself to stop for what, like two weeks, like such a short amount of time. And she goes, by the time I reach for that cream again, I just did not want it. So she drinks black coffee now. And I think that I think of that a lot when I think of like trying to detox yourself from a lot of these things, you don't need that long. You just have to commit and your body will say, nah, it's cool. I'm good. Yeah. Well, there was a time that I ate fast food and I didn't even think about it. Like when I was in college, you know, me and my sorority sisters would go and grab something in the drive-thru at Taco Bell, or I would love a, a frosty from Wendy's. Like, I can't even believe, I can't even believe but, I used to do this that. Is, this is the thing. It didn't affect you at all, right? Try eating a taco from Taco Bell today and just watch yourself collapse. But I couldn't. <laughs> That's the thing is you couldn't even bring it to your mouth. I don't even have any desire. Yeah. And then it's not even about understanding and knowing about the quality of food and the manufacturing processes of fast foods and how everything has to be prepared offsite. Yeah. It's all filled with, it's all filled with ingredients, preservatives, so it can be shelf stable for them for as long as possible. So it's void of any life force energy. But for me with these products and these businesses is, is I can feel that there's no life force energy. I can feel that it's not a vibrational match for me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold no on. Said life force energy. Yeah. I've never thought of it that way. And now I feel like everything's changed <laughs> because you're right. There are certain foods like freaking Doritos or something where, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing. I basically could be eating a cardboard box, but with a stew or like, a salad, for instance, like you can, you can, you can almost feel the energetic difference. That's yeah. insane. 
<laughs> I'm getting the chills. I feel for, for me, when I make a stew or slow cook short ribs or anything that Dutch oven that cooks for three or four or five hours with the broth, yes. it's like I can feel, it's like I can without I'm grounded. Like I feel grounded yes. to the earth. You feel so grounded. And that is the best feeling to get at the end of the day when you want to be home and you want to like turn in for the night is that grounded energy versus in the morning and at lunchtime, like you want the energy that's going to make you move forward and grow towards the light and burst open. So then I think, okay, what foods are growing towards the light, right? So the soups and stews often have vegetables that are growing into the ground and that's making us grounded. But when I want that uplifting energy, that's going to bring me up like the sun, then I oranges. Want- <laughs> yes. Anything growing above ground. So lettuces, sprouts, anything hanging from a tree, anything growing up a vine. So you can look at the way a food grows in the grocery store and see what it's going to give you. And then with that mind, you can then put the two together for balance. So you can choose something that's growing into the earth, like a carrot and then something that's growing above ground, like a celery, and you chop the two up and you put them in your soup and stew and you have balance. And that's like the ultimate key. I think that wow. all of us are trying to find whether we're conscious of it or not. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And that is an amazing cheat code. We have the formula for making for balance. Look at how food grows. <laughs> well, with our food, right? So we can start with eating balanced meals and eating foods that make us feel balanced, that balance our, you know, our blood sugar levels, our nervous Mm -hmm. system, whatever it may be. And then I think like, get the food down, like that's easy, you know? And that's, that's something that you need to get down no matter what, because you're going to eat every day of your life. And then after that, after you feel that balance through the food, then you can look in your outer world and figure out, okay, what else can I start to do to bring me balance? Who am I listening to on my podcast? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what am I playing in the car when I'm driving? Like, what are the activities I'm doing outside of work that are bringing in balance into my life? Like, I feel like everything else is like extra credit once you get your food down. Mm, yeah. Food is like so foundational. And I want to go back to the fake food conversation that we're having fast food, junk food, but I haven't even more like intense verbiage that I think will change a lot of people's minds for the better and my friend James told this to me and he was like yeah that's not even real food those are just food like substances and I was like oh you so right like all the things in the middle of the grocery store that aren't even even if they were real food at some point but then they got ground up and then they got fried and then they got this and then they got that and by the time you eat it your body can't really do anything with it and it's not even real food it's just a food like substance yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a beautiful word. So when you say food, like substance, so like think of like that fast food taco, it makes me think of the plastic toy tacos Yeah, you know, that like the little kids would play with. It's like a food, like substance, yeah. but it's not going to do anything for you. Yeah. Question and asking for a friend, AKA asking for me when I'm on my period, what does it mean if you're on your period, you need sweet things? Like I usually am a salty, savory person, but whenever I'm on my period, I'm like, give me those Pillsbury cinnamon rolls. Get me a chocolate frosty. I need a milkshake. Chocolate. Like angry about it. What is that? (laughs) 
So the chocolate's magnesium. So you're creating okay. the magnesium. So you can get, you know, multiple different types of magnesium supplements. So I just interviewed on my podcast, a woman named Sarah Banta. She's a health coach and she owns a supplement line called Accelerated Health. And her magnesium, she fills it with scalar frequency. So you don't just get a high quality magnesium, but the magnesium is encoded, coded. Cool to better nourish yourself. We know scalar light, don't we, Kels? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm Aladino. Yeah. Shout out. We got a couple so, episodes with a scalar light pr- practitioner very early on in the podcast. So you should- uh, I you will. Should Tom Paladino. Thank you. Yep. So a few options. One, like just increase the amount of magnesium that you're taking during that time of the month. So make sure you're taking it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay. So not just at night. Cause I associate magnesium with like sleepy, relaxing, but you're saying all there's, day. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's magnesium that you can get that and you'll see it'll say yeah, it's not for relaxation. Okay. So I would get two different types of magnesium. And then if you want to lean into the chocolate, lean into the chocolate by the best quality that you can at a health food store or online. So there should be no, no soy lecithin in it. There should be, you know, you, at this time you can really choose chocolate with no dairy. If that mm-hmm. works with your system and then look at the quality of the sugar that they're using. You can find chocolate that's made with maple sugar, with dates, you know, with coconut sugar, just choose a better quality and then a higher rate. So try to like move off 55% and get to 70 or 80, or my absolute favorite would be to buy the hundred percent raw cacao bars. It's a hundred percent chocolate, no sugar. And then you just like break off a piece and put it on a half a date. So really sugar ends up being the date. And then you have the raw cacao and it is so satisfying. All you need is like one or two dates, some of that raw cacao chocolate and a fermented vegetable. <laughs> do not do no, that for another time. <laughs> Don't do that. I love a good date. I love the dates. That I love they a good date too. In like almonds or when they roll the dates in the coconut. Oh, yeah. such a good snack. So you could take that and add some cacao nibs on it. So I would flatten it out a little bit and then like press it into some cacao nibs. Mm-hmm. And then again, you're going to get a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of magnesium, a little energy boost from the natural caffeine. Okay. Okay. Speaking of energy boosts, what's the best thing to eat pre and post workout? Mm. Do you have any good snacks? Good question. I don't like to eat before workouts. Okay. Fair. <laughs> so like, yeah, so that one is not for me. I like to work out on an empty stomach. And then I find afterwards, what makes me feel better is if I have a piece of fruit and then wait 20 minutes and then have my actual meal or just coming back and coming back to a balanced plate with protein, a little starch, a little vegetable. That's what works best for me. So an example would be, I love to do like a little rice bowl where it's a little bit of short grain brown rice. It's two eggs. It's some greens or some leftover veggies. And then it's like some kimchi, a little drizzle of olive oil, some flaked sea salt and seaweed. Like that's great for me. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Cause I like to work out a lot and I don't like to work out on an empty stomach. And I just feel like I'm starving the whole time and I'm like suffering and not having energy to work out. So I usually do eat a little something before. Um, but like, yeah, 
people to have a, have a piece of fruit that's very starchy. So I wouldn't go and have a bunch of pineapple or mango, like banana, something that has fiber. You could do banana, you could do apple. Um, you could also take those fruits and dip them in a little ground flaxseed. So you have a little extra fiber. So that's I really do cool. like ground flaxseed. That's a good trick. I've never thought of dipping my fruit in it. I've always just used it. If I make like a little oat bowl, or if I make anything blended, I'll throw it in there. Um, but that's a good tip. I never thought about dipping my fruit. Yeah. You could take your banana and like slice it into little pieces and dip it in like a little mixture of ground flaxseed and cinnamon. That oh, that sounds good. Ground flaxseed <laughs> actually tastes so good. It's kind of sweet. I love ground flaxseed. I'm a huge fan of it. Like it sounds weird. Time... Like oh, ground flaxseed sounds like it wouldn't taste like anything. Actually, it's tasty. The it's... only time I've ever used ground flaxseed is when I was making uh, lactation cookies and worked oh, like. Yeah. But yeah. I've never actually tried it alone with anything. I just mixed it with chocolate chips. <laughs> oh, I, I like to sprinkle it sometimes on like apple slices Interesting. Um, with a little ground flaxseed oil. That one's really mm-hmm. delicious. Um, mm-hmm. Taking your blueberries and mixing it with some ground flaxseed, really good too. Um, yeah. I look for Love different it. ways to consume ground flaxseed all the time. I put it in my waffles. You guys want to hear this oh. waffle recipe? It's so good. So well, she's going to tell us waffle class. Also- She's yeah. also going to post it on the Patreon. So, right. oh my gosh, great idea. Yeah. Okay. So, if- so <laughs> it's gluten-free. So you're welcome. And <laughs> I use the Pamela's mix. That's like almond flour. You can get it at like the health food store. I don't know how great it is. Maybe Whitney can speak to this if she's used it or not. But um, it's basically an almond flour base. And then I will put chia seeds instead of eggs. I'll do avocado oil instead of like canola oil. And then put a little bit of ground flaxseed in there. And then you have to let it sit with the chia seeds till they get like uh, absorb the water. So they so they get like eggy because you're not using an egg unless you want to use eggs. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Without the eggs, it's not going to rise as much. It'll be more dense. And then I have this Belgian waffle maker. So I put it in there and then I have like the Amish butter that I get from my special little store. And then I have the local honey and girls, it is so good. It's the best. I love a strawberry waffle. I would do strawberries on it. Mm. Oh, I would put bananas in it and walnuts. I Mm -hmm. love bananas in my pancakes. The only thing I would edit. Yeah, tell me. I wouldn't use the avocado oil. I would add coconut oil or I would just melt butter and put it in. Oh, okay. The butter sounds like it would taste legit. So I'm going to try that (laughs) first. (laughs) I want Amish butter. I I don't love coconut oil. I'm very particular about how I incorporate coconut into my diet. Like coconut flakes is about as much as I can tolerate, but like coconut water, no. So I have three children. So I do make some brownies sometimes. Okay. And I use, I've just stopped using vegetable oil completely. So I'll just use coconut oil in the brownies, you guys, coconut and oof, it's so good. They, they love it, but you know. You can add that ground (laughs) flaxseed in the brownies and it'll fill them up. Oh, yes. Be able to eat as many. Give me more things like that. (laughs) Going to get it now. Yeah, because, and you have to get it ground because otherwise it's going to be the whole seed and the whole husk. And we don't digest that as well. However, it adds a great texture when you want texture. So, like, sometimes I like to use it like in a 
in a cookie or some sort of oatmeal thing yeah. where you want to see it and you want that texture, but otherwise it needs to be ground. And then the great thing is it's like, I would add a tablespoon to your brownies and see how it comes out. Like start mm-hmm. with a tablespoon and then edit from there, but it yeah. should make them get full faster and they won't be able to have as many. I love it. <laughs> That's amazing. I love Sorry, it. boys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about meat. Mm-hmm. Um, notwithstanding anybody that doesn't eat meat, but I eat meat and I think we all do maybe here, but I, I do love a stew. I think I mentioned that. I love a pot roast. I love, I love mm-hmm. like a, like a slow cooked. What do you like? What could you teach us about how to, how important is sourcing your meat? I'm sure it's very important. Where oh. do you, get, do you have a butcher? I do. I have. I a knew you would have a butcher. <laughs> I know quite a few butchers. Everyone should have this a few years ago. I'm so glad I listened to my intuition. I just had this hunch, like I need to start to get to know everyone where I shop. And yeah. so I built relationships with the people in the produce section and the person that works in the fish department and the meat department and who checks me out. I got to know them by name mm-hmm. and you know, they're full of knowledge and information. Most of these people are way too qualified to be working at these grocery stores and butcher shops. They, they are serious wealth of knowledge. They're the gatekeepers to the food that we're consuming to fuel ourselves. Um, so I find though, like some of the best stuff you have to get online, you have to order directly from the source and you have to keep frozen in your freezer, you know, for me, where I live in Southern California, the best option for me when it comes to quality as well as price is Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. So I just go to Whole Foods and I wait until the lamb, the beef chuck, you know, the ground beef is a hundred percent grass fed, grass finish. And I get it then. And then it usually goes on sale or like it comes in temporarily for a short period of time from Hearst Ranch and it's 100% grass fed, grass finished. So I buy up that then, but right. the best of the best is, have you heard of hundred percent grass fed, grass finished, but field harvested? No. So does yeah. that mean they die in the field? So it's all about making sure that the, the, the animal has the most humane experience possible and doesn't get filled up with cortisol. So you don't get filled up right. with cortisol when you eat the meat. So, um, there's a place called Riffle Bison Farm in West Virginia. Um, it's a husband and wife team that own it and all their Buffalo grow up on the land and die on the land. So it all gets processed on the land. They don't ever put them in the back of a truck. Yeah. Drive three, four, five hours to a processing facility for an inhumane death. Everyone, every animal is handled one by one, super humanely. So the least amount of dramatic experience happens for them and ultimately for you. So, I mean, like, that's the dream, but you that's know, the dream. Yeah. For bison, you know, her meat is so popular that people come to her farm in West Virginia and they go to the two farmers markets where she sells and she sells out. She doesn't have to sell online. So yeah. a lot of the good stuff, um, you, you have to find it in your area or you need to find some places online. You know, there's also a lot of people that they go in together, like two or three, four families go in and buy a cow, you know? So I'm visiting Jackson Hole, Wyoming right now. I was catching up with some friends that live here the other day. And um, they were telling me about 
the two different farms they work with where they buy their cows and have it all butchered, sliced up, sent to them. Yeah. I don't know about their field harvesting or humane practices. Um, I do know, you know, it's very state to state. So our state and our governments are controlling the quality of our yeah. food. We all know that. So like in Montana, yeah, you can like, you see, see cows everywhere. They're roaming happily. They're 100% grass fed and grass finished, but there's no processing plants in Montana. So every single cow in Montana has to get loaded into a truck and driven into Wyoming or another neighboring state. That poor cow has to spend a yep. day or two in some horrible experience before it's even, even put to death. Yeah. So it's, it's a weird time, but the great thing is like, I'm so grateful. Like people want to learn. Yeah. Know, curious. And I think the more people become curious, you know, more people are going to want better and then communities will start to create better, better options for all of yeah. us to buy. Um, and all of us to buy at reasonable prices where we can afford it because I may be a chef, but at this moment, I'm not a millionaire or a billionaire. Right. Yeah. Maybe tomorrow. If you're ready to start manifesting more money, which I mean, let's be real, who isn't? You're in luck because I'm giving away a bomb guided meditation, if I do say so myself, that will help you to do just that for free. In the money meditation, I'm guiding you through my special process for aligning with the frequency of abundance, releasing your resistance, and manifesting that money, honey. Personally, I've used this process to manifest 28K months, new income streams, a way better job for my husband, book sales, you name it. People who have been using the meditation are messaging me saying they got surprise bonuses, new opportunities out of nowhere, clarity on their next steps, money breakthroughs, more clients in a week than they would normally have in a month, and a bunch of other cool stuff. So needless to say, it's a super, super powerful energy shifter. So go grab yours while it's still free at kelseyaida.com slash mm freebie and i'll have the link for you guys in the description happy money manifesting um but uh so we all need to be able to get food at a, at a price that we can afford to continue to fuel ourselves yeah yeah i i know that um when you're first starting with like the quality of your meat for me, I was like, well, I want to know what you're feeding this cow because that's the most important thing to me. But then you think about, yeah, every feeling that that cow has is now imbued into the food energetically and actually. So that's another thing you have to you have to think about. And I don't know at this moment how, <laughs> where I live, but I know like my sister back home in Michigan has a butcher, like they live on land and she gets delivered like a whole cow sometimes she has a deep freezer her ex-husband used to just hunt deer and they'd have a deer hanging from the backyard freaking hoop basketball hoop and it would gross me out so bad but now as an adult I'm like should have not refused that venison because he'd offer yeah. it all the time I was like that's disgusting <laughs> like oh. I wouldn't eat it but you know so I was naive now I'm like I would rather go eat a cheeseburger from McDonald's than have a <laughs> have an actual wild deer, whatever, but no, that's very good information. And I think that knowing that, is there anything else that we need to look for besides, you know, what, what the animals being eat fed and also how, how it's harvested, as you would say, is there anything else that is important to you when you look for meat? So I think the, 
the one thing to keep in mind, because most of us are going to be going to a grocery store. So you want a hundred percent grass fed, grass finished grass fed. Doesn't mean anything. Every cow has been given grass. So within the first day, they're born to about six to eight weeks, they're on their mother's milk or grass, and then they can be put on feed. So every animal Every cow is grass fed. So, so they can more- say grass fed and yeah. that doesn't mean squat. Okay. Yeah. So it has cool. to say 100% grass fed or 100% grass fed, grass finished. And then you don't want any animal that's on vegetarian feed because yeah. no animal is a vegetarian. Your chicken's not a vegetarian. You're, you know, technically your cow's a vegetarian, but, um, but you, with most of these animals, like our turkey and our chicken, like they're supposed to be eating like worms and bugs. They eat their own eggs. No way. Yeah. <laughs> chickens, chickens, chickens eat their own eggs and their own eggshells. And it actually- See, I like, never trusted chickens. Hard for not to be trusted. <laughs> not all the time. They do. Like I know people that own chickens. They'll they'll just put like the eggshells and like the, the eggs just out. So the chickens, they'll like grind up the eggshells in their feed because it really helps with their egg production, their eggshell production. Um, you can also grind it up and put it in your plants. You can grind it up and put it in your coffee filter. I've never tried it, but apparently it's amazing and it really helps the flavor of coffee. Anyway, you go. <laughs> just some tidbits. For, for plants, definitely. Um, and for your soil quality. Um, but yeah, you just try to avoid anything that says 100% vegetarian fed, because like, you don't really need that. You definitely like lean into the products that say soy free because they shouldn't be giving fed. They should not be fed soy. They should not be fed corn. It's just so funny how they say these things and they expect like, look at me. I am not poisoning my cow. (laughs) Another, another (laughs) you know, the big thing now is if your egg yolks are really dark, then the eggs are really good for you. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the mass production egg farms, they feed the chickens marigold flowers. So their egg yolks are orange. So that's not necessarily a sign that the egg yolks are great anymore. Um, Oh gosh. Tricky tricksters. Yeah. I just bought some eggs yesterday, but I only, I mean, I don't know the rules with eggs. I just buy the free range or the the free range, right? Not the cage free, the cage free is nonsense, but I buy the free range and it's, it's the happy egg, you know, the big yellow carton. I love those so far. I love them. Please don't. I mean, should I love them? (laughs) I bought happy eggs too. I buy just, I try to find free range where it says roaming free range. So that means they're constantly moving them around the land. And then I do the balance test. Now you guys are, you guys are into energetics and vibration. Do you guys ever do the the balance test? I would love to do the balance test. What is it? So I take the eggs and I hold up the eggs and I hold it in front of my chest. I close my eyes and I just ask my, myself, are these the right eggs for me? And I'll lean forward if it's a yes. And I'll lean back if it's a no. And it's a great thing to do especially uh-huh. when you're traveling and you're in a grocery store and there's so many egg brands and you haven't seen any of these people before. And you're reading all the labels, but you're still confused. Then I just start picking them up and holding them and seeing how, if they're a match. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I love that. Listen to yourself. Always work. Muscle testing in a way. Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, it usually I find I can use my intellect, you know, by reading all the labels and figure out what I want, but you'd always, you always get down to two and then you can't make. (laughs) 
And that's when I, I try to get out of my own head and get out of my own way. And I do the balance test and I let my body decide. Mm. What about before we head over to the Patreon, can you touch on anything we need to know when shopping for seafood? Oh, oh yes. Cause oh. I think a lot of like, I feel like we're not touching too much on the vegetables because people already know like organics better, locals better, farmers market is better than the store, like whatever. We already talked about this a lot in some other episodes, but I'm really curious about the seafood now that we've touched on the meat. Do you have any pointers there? So seafood's tough. And I'm like you, I keep bringing experts on my podcast to keep learning. And I keep hearing the same thing is most seafood is frozen. There's no such thing as fresh seafood. Like the worst thing you can do is walk up to a fish counter and say, what's fresh today? Because in their mind, that, that man or woman behind the counter is saying nothing is Mm -hmm. like nothing is fresh today. Everything is flash frozen. The only thing that's ever going to be fresh is, you know, your friend or family member or yourself who just went outside and caught the fish. Yep. That's if you good. come on my retreats in Mexico, you'll eat fresh fish every day. And the, the ladies that work at the house, they'll be like, the fish guy's here. And he comes on a motorcycle, fresh catch of the day, plastic bag full of shrimp, fish, everything like just caught like an hour ago. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. But here, no. <laughs> the fish is amazing in Mexico. Um, so when it comes to fish, there's a lot of directions we can go. Um I like to keep in mind, like, where do I live? So what's local? Um, what hasn't been caught weeks ago? Um, I also think like, what's the environment that the fish lives in? So you often want fish that are deep in the ocean because the colder the water, the cleaner the water. You mm-hmm. don't want fish that are living right on the top of the world. And you don't want the true bottom feeders as well. Um, I tend to stay away from... I like, I'm not a lobster eater because they're a bottom feeder. Um, and, and it just, it doesn't vibe with me. Did you Uh, know lobster used to be a poor person food, like in the Victorian era, because it was the lowest quality. (laughs) And now we think of lobster as like, anything that's on the floor. Yeah. Um, so one thing that you can never go wrong with is cod. Cod is always good quality cod is easy to flavor. So I make a lot of like big vegetable curries and then just add in little fillets of cod. You can easily buy cod frozen. Um, salmon's a tough one. Salmon's one of those where you're better off buying directly online. It's always going to be a better quality than what you're going to get in person. Um, the world is really moving towards farmed fish. And then within the farm fish world, it's understanding the different levels of farmed fish. So there's farmed fish off of Mexico where the fish are actually in the ocean and they're given real food, other fish. Um, and, and the water quality is managed so that they're in clean water, which is very different from farmed fish mm-hmm. that are in ponds that are not clean and they're giving fed pellets in order to make them grow and get their skin a certain color. I heard a rumor that they bleach it too. Like they, they, to wash it, to clean it, they use bleach. I don't know if it's true, but it grossed me out enough to not want it. (laughs) So I just interviewed two California based sushi chefs and they went to the biggest fish market on the East coast. It's basically the biggest fish market in the United States. And they've been in this industry for a long time. And they said, fish 
is actually the last frontier. That is the least regulated industry. That is the, it is the wild, wild, wild west. You know, they were- Sterile west. (laughs) Yeah, and and the best quality fish in the United States all goes to Asia. We get get leftovers. Um, Everything's being shipped out of here um, because they're higher bidders and we're getting- getting what's left. So there's no easy answer for fish. Um, You just got to start learning different names and labels. If you haven't heard the fish before, that could be a good thing. And so you just need to look it up, um, ask questions. And, um, and if it doesn't feel right, don't eat it. Yeah. I hate to say it, but every time we have somebody who's like food conscious, I just get really sad about the state of our food in this country. Don't get sad. I think, I think, Uh, but information is good. Yes. I think we're at the worst moment in time for food and it's only going to get better from here. Now I have had other people on my show that have told me that this is actually the best time in history for food because this, at this time we are actually paying less than we ever have for food throughout history. So in other times in the world, this is when like people used to spend majority of their income on food. Mm-hmm. food and housing was it. That's true. So, you know, most of us don't, you know, most people don't spend that much money on food. Most people look at food and like, you know, why would I, why would I pay for that when I can go and get a burger for a dollar 99? But I always say, you know, quality over quantity. And if it's cheap, then you should ask why. Yeah. Pay your farmer now or your doctor later. <laughs> I heard that somewhere. And, and on I'm- that note, <laughs> I think that was a good bow on things. <laughs> That's great. I would much, much rather pay the farmer. When I go Indeed. to the farmer's market with Jeff, it's like so fun. We bring the dog. We oh, talk yeah. to everyone about the food. They're like all excited to tell us. Like I always learn new recipes or like we bought these, um, these flowers, the blue flowers, what are they called? Butterfly pea flowers. Is that what they're called? Yeah, they're like yeah. bluish, like indigo color. And I had never eaten those or used those in any way. And she was like, yeah, I grow these. They're so cool. They're super like witchy and medicinal. Like, you can eat them. You can put them in your drinks. So then I was getting all witchy with that. And I'm just like, ah, oh, farmer's markets are so yeah. fun. <laughs> and they're so generous. Like they're always so willing mm-hmm. to like give you product for you to experience. Um, and I just find it's such an uplifting, uplifting place to go. Yeah. And I feel like people try to make the argument that it's more expensive, but I feel like you buy only what you need. So like it, I usually end up spending less. Like if I go to the grocery store for an hour, I'm going to spend like $200. If I go to the farmer's market, I'm going to be done in like half an hour and spend like a hundred dollars. Yeah. I'm going to be and done in like really good stuff. And I, yeah, agreed. You know? So I feel like but you just get such better quality fruit. So like, I'm a big stickler for fruit from the farmer's market because I don't want the wax. Yeah. So all my fruit comes from the farmer's market. And sometimes like, I can't get there every week. Like I'm a chef. Like I'm I'm already at the grocery store five days a week. Like I can't go a sixth time. So, you know, oftentimes you can buy fruit and you're fine. You can buy enough to last you two weeks. You don't have to go every, every farmer's market Friday or Saturday. So 
you can, you can stock up some things and they'll, they'll stay good in the fridge. How do you know if it has wax or not? And is it bad to wash my fruits and vegetables with dish soap and a sponge? Well, you can just wash your fruits and vegetables with water and then wipe them really well with a towel. Vinegar. I feel like that doesn't get the pesticides off. Well, vinegar truth that you're really going to ever get the pesticides off because they've already grown into the fruit. Right. 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 Now, yeah. I have tried to wash my, my fruits. I think I tried to wash an apple once with soap. I tasted the soap because it absorbed immediately into the skin. Are you actually washing them with soap? Yeah. I wash all my and a sponge? With soap and a sponge. Yeah. Just like a dish. And then I just rinse it off really good. <laughs> you, you can wash your cucumber just with, with a sponge. You know, there's yeah, so many yeah. fiber sponges that work. Um, I always peel and de-seed my cucumbers. Mm. Um, because the skin and the seeds are bitter and often create a lot of digestive distress for people. And that's the way they were more traditionally prepared. Now, Persian cucumbers are very different from like the traditional cucumber versus the hothouse cucumber. There's lots of different types of cucumbers. But if you're just getting a generic English cucumber that most of us know that has the wax on it because the wax was put there so they last longer in the grocery store. Um, I just peel it, de-seed it, and then chop it up. Mm, good tip. Yeah. But don't worry, guys. I use natural non-toxic soap. So don't go worrying about me. I'm going to be well, okay. And also, <laughs> truly, I mean this, vinegar and water, let it soak, and it will get everything off. Well, oh, as much as you can. Do you taste the vinegar? No. No, you don't. T- I mean, you have to dilute it, dilute it with water too. You know, I think it's, I don't know the exact ratio. You could Google it though, but everybody loves it. They also have fruit and vegetable wash that they sell, but you can make it at home. You don't need to do you it. You are better off making it at yeah. home, um, but you're also just good with, with water, water and a towel, like, I, you know, a real towel or a paper towel, but a real towel, you can usually get everything off. Yeah. Back to the hand washing conversation we had before we started recording, which you can find if you're a member on the Patreon. So speaking of the Patreon, we're going to head over there in a second. But first, Chef Whitney, thank you for joining us. Please let everyone know where to listen to your podcast, how to work with you, all about Starseed Kitchen, all your offerings. Tell us. Thank you. Well, you guys can tune into my podcast, the High Vibration Living Podcast on Apple, on Spotify, on YouTube, all those places. Um, You can find me on every social media channel at Whitney Aronoff. And you can visit the website, Starseed Kitchen, starseedkitchen.com. And you can get all my links there. And you can also get my different organic spice blends that I use as a personal chef. And if you guys want to use the code STARSEED, all caps, you'll be able to get a discount when you check out. Cool. Thank you for that little gift. And also go subscribe to her podcast and be on the lookout for an episode with me and an episode with Lindsay, because we are also going to be on her show too. So yes, super fun to continue the conversation over there. And any final words, Linz? Just so much love for Whitney coming on today, Chef Whitney, and I'm excited to talk more on the Patreon. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. And we will catch you very soon. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Thank you to everybody who has left a review and shared the podcast with friends and family. We super appreciate it. It really helps the show a lot, especially because our goal is to get over 1 million downloads before the end of 2023. And we definitely need and appreciate your help to do it. 
You can further support the show by joining patreon.com slash high vibe to get exclusive content, extended episodes, bonuses, and more. Thanks again for listening. We love you so much. And we'll be back next week with another new episode. Bye. Bye.